we're so glad that you've tuned in to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Matthew Brown, the college and young adult pastor here at Rolling Hills, and we are in our series, Everyday Armor, and today we'll be focusing on several pieces of the armor of God and on why each part is integral in fighting our spiritual battles. Now, here's Pastor Jeff. Uh, well, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It is so good to be together today. Welcome to those who made it here and made it in person here. And welcome to everybody who's watching online, wherever you are, the city, the country, the world. God brought us together for a reason, for a purpose, and I am so grateful for today and so thankful for what God's doing in our lives. And also, happy Valentine's Day. So uh, happy Valentine's Day to you guys. All right. We got a lot of Valentine's love here today. And so be sure to reach out to those that you love today and tell them that you love them, that you care about them, and just share that love. You know, God is love, right? The whole reason we got love in the world is because our God is love. And so for us to be men and women after his heart and to love those well around us. Also, welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called Everyday Armor. And we're talking about what it means to put on the armor of God, to live in the armor of God, you know, for us to be men and women after his heart and to be faithful all the days of our lives. Now, I grew up playing sports, okay? And sports was kind of a big deal in our household. You know, if it was round, it was a ball, I was playing it. So it was basketball, baseball, football, whatever. Uh, My kids all play sports. We live kind of in a sports community, a sports society. Uh, But I remember being a kid, and there was a basketball goal across the street. And so I would go over, and I would just shoot for hours, right? Just, Just shoot, and I would play. And then I would go into kind of this fantasy world where I would go, okay, five seconds on the clock. We're down by one, right? Anybody else do this, right? If I six o'clock, we're down by one, right? And the ball comes in, and you know, I go this way, and then boom, and I shoot, and I made it every time. I always, I always hit. If I missed it, I was fouled, okay? So then I'll go to the line, you know, and I'll make the free throws. And it was great. It was so fun. And, and I'd always make that in my little fantasy world. And then I get to middle school, you know, and I get the team, and then I get to high school, and you put on a jersey, and all of a sudden, there was a thing called defense. And I was like, wait a minute, I was supposed to make this, you know, why you're in my way, what's going on? But what you realize is basketball wasn't a game that you just play out in the parking lot or over at your house in the backyard. It's a team sport. You don't play by yourself. You're playing with a team and you, you have assists, you have passes, you have backdoor cuts and you have defense and you have an opponent. You have somebody who guards you, who's there on you and it makes it challenging and it's exciting. But all of a sudden, it changed when you realized there was a defender. And what you realize about the Christian life is this, man, you accept Christ, you're so fired up, you're just excited, you're like, well, it's gonna be perfect. I'm not gonna have any problems. I'm not gonna have any issues, right? I mean, because I've got Christ. And what you realize is there's an opponent. There's an enemy called Satan. And the devil comes, and as Jesus told us, the thief, the devil, comes to steal and to kill and destroy comes to steal our joy, right? Comes to kill our relationships, comes to destroy our lives. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, and I am greater. I will overcome. I am with you through it all. And when we realize, man, I've got an enemy, but my God is greater. And so I'm gonna stay strong in him. I'm gonna walk in him and walk in the truth. But I gotta realize that there's challenges out there. I gotta realize that there's struggles out there. And I need to identify when the enemy is present. And I need to put on the full armor of God so I can take my stand and be the man or woman God created me to be. And I can live it all the days of my life till I'm running into the arms of Jesus and hearing him say, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. So let's fight the good fight. Hey, if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to Ephesians chapter six. 
Ephesians chapter six. So New Testament, right? If you're new to the Bible, you can open to the middle, go to the right, and you'll be in there, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. But Ephesians is awesome. It was written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote it when he was in prison in Rome, and he's writing to a church that he helped plant. He helped start the church in Ephesus. And he loves this church. He loves this church. And so he's pouring his heart out to the church. Paul's always about the church, right? And the unity in the church. And he knows, right, that, that the enemy, Satan's gonna come against the church. So he tells us in chapters one through three, your identity is in Christ. You guys be together as the body of Christ. You focus on the Lord. Your identity is in him. He says there, you are God's workmanship in Ephesians chapter two. You are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. And then in chapter four, he kind of switches gears and four, five, and six, he gets practical. He's like, this is the way you live out your faith, right? This is the way you live out your faith in your everyday life and how that looks as you begin to live your life in Christ. And he talks about marriage, he talks about workplaces, he talks about the church, and then he comes here to verse 10, and he says, finally, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So these are some of the last words he's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's going, guys, you be strong, not just in your own power, but in his mighty power, his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Don't just go part way, don't just put on a few things. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And so often we think that's the struggle, what we can see, right? We get an argument or disagreement and we just think that's it. No, no, no. He says there's more. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's like you're living this life, right? But there is a whole nother world. There's a spiritual world. There's spiritual warfare. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Now look what he says. He says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes. He doesn't say if the day of evil comes. He doesn't say if you go through struggles, if you go through hardships, if you go through difficulties. He goes, no, no, no. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and do everything to stand. And then he starts listing out the armor. And today we're going to look at the first three. And how do we put on these first three? But he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So he talks about this belt and this breastplate and he had these sandals that you put on. And then, then he keeps going and he talks about, hey, the other ones. He says, hey, take up the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, right? And the sword of the spirit. We're gonna see those next week. And then the last week, we'll talk about the last one, pray. And on all occasions, pray. So putting on this full armor of God, putting on and going into the battle, walking in every day, living our lives for the glory of God. Hey, do you understand that we protect what we value? Right? If we value something, we're going to protect it. That's why we have this thing called insurance, right? So when you buy a house, you get homeowner's insurance, right? Because you want to protect your house. Or you get renter's insurance because you want to protect the things that you have in your apartment or your condo or your house that you're renting or wherever. You got renter's insurance. You get a car, you want to protect it. So you get car insurance, right? On your life, you get life insurance. You get disability insurance. You get liability insurance. You get an umbrella policy. We even have insurance for our insurance, 
right? We got Aflac, you know what I'm saying? So we got insurance for our insurance because we don't have enough insurance, so we got to get more insurance to have insurance for our insurance. And, and it, all these things, right, that we insure, all these things are in the physical realm because we don't want to lose it. We don't want something to come in or fire or something to destroy us. We want to protect these things because we value, but most of it, all of it is in this physical realm. And yet God says there is a whole spiritual battle and you need to protect it. You need to put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand. Because there's going to come things against you. You need to stand true and hear them. And here's the armor of God that you put on. All right, so if you're taking notes today, if you're here in person, if you have a worship guide, if you want to write some things down, if you are online, go to the Rolling Hills app. You can fill in some blanks right there on the Rolling Hills app. Uh, some things I'd love for you to write down as we talk about these first three pieces of armor. The first thing we see is this. The belt of truth. The belt of truth. The belt of truth. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, Paul's writing from prison, okay? So he's in prison in Rome. And there were Roman soldiers guarding him. So he's looking at these Roman soldiers. The people in Ephesus would have gotten this because they had Roman soldiers all over Ephesus. They had Roman soldiers all over Jerusalem, Roman soldiers everywhere. Roman soldiers have basically conquered the world. The Roman Empire, the best fighting machine army we've ever seen, right? Up until now, the United States. But you know, you had this Roman legions. And if you look here, I'm gonna just show you a couple of pictures here. So here's like a Roman legion. A Roman legion was actually between 4,000 and 6,000 men. And you could kind of see their armor. You got their helmets on, you got the breastplates, you can see down to their belts. If you just like specifically look at one Roman soldier, you can see he looks like the Mandalorian. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the Mandalorian, but that's what he kind of looks like right there to me. Uh, so here he is. But, but you see around his waist, he has this belt. And the belt holds everything in place. So if you go here, you can look at the belt. The belt you've got, the sword that's there, and you've got all around him is the leather belt. Now here's the thing about a Roman soldier. Okay, the Roman soldiers, they would have under their armor, they wore a tunic, okay? It was literally a man dress, okay? I don't know how else to describe it. They got this man dress on, right? So, so the man dress, right, is what they would wear under there. And you needed to tuck in the man dress when you would go to war because you didn't want to go running through and your man dress gets caught on a bush or something like that. I mean, you're vulnerable. So they would take this belt, right, this leather belt, and put it around them, and then they would tuck in they would tuck in their man dress, and then they would have the belt around them. So the belt holds everything in place. The belt holds everything in place. The belt was the first thing that they put on before they went to battle. And it held your sword in place, right? So you can grab the sword quickly. It held your you know, tunic in place. It locked in on the breastplate. So when you were getting ready to go, boom, you put the belt on. Now, it's interesting, right? Today, if you go work out, right, and a lot of you do CrossFit or whatever you do, you know, and you go, what do they talk about? Your core, do your core, work your core, work your core. Now, the Apostle Paul's going, yeah, work your core. You know, get the belt of truth. Get the belt of truth because it's gonna hold everything in place. The truth, the truth. See, Satan is known as the father of lies. Literally, that's what Satan's name is. He lies. He loves to lie. He loves to bend the truth. He loves to, to change and distort and deceive. He's known as the deceiver. Have you ever been lied to? It hurts, doesn't it? I mean, you feel it. You just like, they lied to me, man. Like, ah. I mean, it just 
gets you, it just weighs on you. Satan knows, oh, I got it. I got a foothold right there, you know? He comes in with these lies. He comes in to fight in this battle. And, and that's why the Apostle Paul's like, you got to put on truth. You got to put on truth because you're battling the father of lies. Hey, truth cannot simply be relative. We live in this society, we live in this culture where it's kind of like everything's relative, right? You believe what you want to believe, and I'll believe what I want to believe, and you know, it really doesn't matter, right? We can just all believe whatever we want to believe, and it, it doesn't matter until you believe that stealing's wrong, and maybe somebody else believes stealing's not wrong, and so they go and steal your stuff, and you're like, hey, wait a minute, hold on. Now all of a sudden it's impacting me, <laughs> right? And you, you may believe that murder's not wrong, and I believe murder's wrong, but then you come with me at a gun. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now this is impacting all of us, okay? Truth cannot simply be relative. There needs to be truth because it impacts everything else. And if you go back and look at societies and civilizations that have always existed, there's been some measure to keep unity within that culture because we understand that there needs to be and there is absolute truth. There has to be a measure of truth. And it doesn't matter what society says or what culture says, it doesn't matter how times change. What matters is what is the truth. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth. <laughs> Jesus comes back and goes, guys, you need something to measure your life by, you measure everything by, you come back to me. And when you and I begin to look into Jesus and delve into Jesus, then we know what truth is. We come back to truth. And that's so important for all of us. And so Apostle Paul says, you put on truth. You put on the word of God. You understand who Jesus is and how Jesus has called you to live. And you live in him. I don't know if you guys have seen the documentary on Netflix. It's called The Social Dilemma. Have you guys seen that? If you haven't, it's worth watching because it's amazing. They go and they interview these people, right? Many of the people who started social media. So you got you know, one of the executives from Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, Pinterest, and you got these different people that are talking about this. Now, social media can be good. I mean, it can keep us connected. It can do some good things. But you start listening to how they start describing social media. And a lot of these executives are like, yeah, I wouldn't give that to my kids. <laughs> you're like, you created it, right? And you're like, really? And they're like, yeah. Because they start to see the impact and the effect. And then they start talking toward the end of the documentary about the power of artificial intelligence and how it manipulates the information that goes to different users. It's manipulating the truth, right? And so one person may get something and they think, oh, that's truth, and then they realize, oh no, that may not be truth because something else is going over here to something else. Have you ever been at lunch or dinner or something, you had your phone on the table and you're talking about some things, your phone's not even, you're just talking about, it, like, I need a new pair of jeans, or I wanna go to Gatlinburg, and then you look over and these ads start popping up on your phone, and you're like, that's weird, okay? Like, they're listening. Yes, they are, right? They, they are. I mean, that is happening. And you have to come back and you have to look and you go, okay, I'm reading this, but is this truth? I've got to have something to measure it by. Hey, listen, measure everything you hear by God's word and by his son, Jesus, because he alone is the truth. If I say something and you go, I don't know if that's right, please go back and look at God's word. Because this is the truth. It's not me, it's not culture, it's not anybody else. It's the word of God. It's the son of God who is the truth. 
Uh, Lisa and I went to a movie, I remember it was a few years ago, it was called Inception. Anybody see this movie? It was so weird, okay? Like, I mean, it, Leonardo DiCaprio, and we, we were sitting there the first half going, what is going on? Because like he was in this dream state, and then he would go to another dream, and, and then there was reality, and you couldn't figure out if he was in a dream or reality. And so what he did in the movie was he took this top, you may remember this right, and he spins this top, and he realized like if gravity wasn't impacting the top, then he was in a false reality. He was in a dream. And so he was looking over and he's like, I need something to measure by. Hey guys, we all need something to measure truth. And God goes, here it is. Measure by, look at this, understand this. And it's so important, I'll just tell you guys, if your parents or, or, or grandparents or your aunts and uncles, Jesus said, you, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free, right? You gotta know the truth, but we also have to teach our kids the truth. Because they're bombarded all the time with messages and so so important for them being at church, watching church, being around God's word, teaching them God's word, because it's only gonna get crazier, right? I mean, the information that's coming in is just exponential, and how are they gonna measure, and how are they gonna know, come back to God's word? So Paul says, put on, at your core, put on the belt of truth. Then he says this, put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Stand firm then with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now, for Roman soldiers, right, the breastplate was this thin metal. We're going to put a picture up here. Look at this. So they had this thin metal that would go over, and it wasn't too heavy. You know, you don't want it to weigh you down, but it was just like this thin piece of metal that would go over their torso, that would lock in on the belt, and it would cover the most important organs. See, the breastplate covers your heart. The breastplate covers your heart, right? If you're in a battle, you could take an arrow in the arm you can take an arrow in the leg, it's gonna hurt, it's gonna leave a mark, okay, you know, but, but you can keep going, right? But you take an arrow in the heart, you're done. I mean, it's like game over, right? So they covered the heart in Proverbs 4.23, right? Above all else, guard your heart, for everything flows out of it. Everything flows out of it. And so the Apostle Paul comes back and says, hey, guys, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Cover your heart in righteousness, now, I'm gonna go quick seminary on you today, but there is imputed righteousness and there is imparted righteousness. There is imputed righteousness and there is imparted righteousness. Imputed righteousness is this. Jesus died on a cross. He took all the sin of the world on him, right? And here he is, he takes the sin on him. We've all sinned, we've all messed up. And so when you become a cross follower, you ask Jesus to come in your heart and your life as God draws you to himself. You ask him to forgive your sins. God places the righteousness of Christ in you. So you have imputed righteousness. His righteousness is imputed in you. You become the righteousness of God, okay? But there's also imparted righteousness. And that is that God places his Holy Spirit in you who leads you, who convicts you, who guides you to make right decisions, to live in righteousness. You know, when you're in Christ, it doesn't mean that you don't sin anymore, right? Even the Apostle Paul says, why do I do the things I don't wanna do and the things I don't wanna do, I do? Ah, oh, what a wretched man I am, you know? And you're like, you're super Christian. By now, you should not sin anymore, right? You know, but, but Paul's like, no, I still struggle. I'm still in this world. I'm still seeing that there's temptations that are coming. But now I have the Spirit of God to make right decisions. And the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us when we begin to sin. So in your life, what you have to say is, hey, am I sinning? Yes, am I making mistakes? But is there a pattern? And if there's a pattern that's ongoing, man, that ought to convict your heart and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not right. 
this is not right because God wants me to make those right decisions. He wants me to live in righteousness. See, we gotta understand, if you have sin in your heart, you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable. If you're not covering your heart with the righteousness and making wise decisions and right decisions, you're vulnerable. I, I remember playing uh, basketball and sports, and it was, it, was, it was fun, but I had a coach in high school because there were times I would get mad, okay? I mean, you know, I would just get so frustrated, like if uh, I would just get so angry, you know, if I made a bad pass or I had a turnover or I get fouled or whatever, you're just like, ah. And, and I remember this coach telling me, he's like, hey, you gotta stop that. Your anger is making you vulnerable. You have gotta have self-control because the other team knows they're gonna get in your head and you're gonna make more mistakes. You've gotta stop, you've gotta stop, you gotta stop. And I think that's so true with all of us. You see, when we don't have self-control, when we just allow, and maybe it's anger for you, there's times you just fly off the handle and boom, you are vulnerable. Man, Satan is getting a foothold there. And it's gonna impact all of your relationships, everyone. And maybe it's alcohol. And it's got a hold on you, man. And God keeps convicting you of that and you think, no, I got it under control. It's no big deal. No, 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 no. It is making you vulnerable. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's gossip. I don't know what it is. But the apostle Paul is coming back and going, cover your heart in righteousness. Yeah, you're not gonna be perfect. Yeah, you're gonna make mistakes. But are you striving to live the righteous life that God calls you to? Are you striving in him? Are you confessing that sin? Are you bringing it to the Lord? Are you not letting Satan get a foothold in these areas of your life? Hey, cover your heart in the righteousness of Jesus. When you wake up in the morning, listen, you, you put on the righteousness and you go, yeah, I may make some mistakes today, but listen, I am covered in the righteousness of Christ. And what Satan loves to do, he loves to bring guilt, he loves to bring shame, he loves to bring condemnation, and he'll start bringing that stuff up as soon as you mess up, and at that point, right there, you go, get behind me, Satan, I am covered in the righteousness of Christ. And yeah, I may make mistakes, but I'm going forward in Jesus. I'm not letting the past define me, and I'm not letting what Satan says about me define me. I'm letting what God says about me define me because I am in the righteousness of Christ. Hey, God made him, look at this verse from 2 Corinthians, this is so powerful. God made him, that's Jesus. God made him who knew no sin. He lived 33 sinless years on this earth. God made him who knew no sin to be sin, right? He took your sin, my sin, on him, on the cross, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. You are righteous in God's sight, so live it. (laughs) Don't let Satan get a foothold there. You live it out, and you cover your heart in righteousness. All right, the sandals of peace. The sandals of peace. Stand firm then with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I want you to see a couple words. Readiness, right, that you're ready, and the gospel. Gospel means good news. The good news of peace. Hey, Roman soldiers, look at this. They had these sandals on. And here's the Roman soldier sandal. And now what was so important about this is the Roman soldiers learned that they could take the bottom of their sandals and they would drive nails down through their sandals and then they put some glass on the bottom. They literally had cleats. Brilliant, right? They would cover it with this thin leather, but down on the bottom, 
they literally had nails, they had cleats. And so when they're in a battle and they're fighting one-on-one, they got leverage. They had cleats before Nike, right? I mean, like they're there and they're fighting this battle and the opponent's like sliding backwards or slipping or falling. And they're just like, hey, where are you, man? You know, I mean, because they had the leverage. And what Paul's saying is, hey, you be a person of peace and you're gonna have the leverage. When you walk in, you come in peace. Christ followers should walk in peace. You know, when you come in in your home, do you walk in peace? When you come in your workplace, do you walk in peace? When you come into all your relationships, do you walk in and say, hey, I wanna bring peace? Are you the calmest one in the room? Are you, are you at peace with yourself? Is there self-control? Are you coming in peace? Colossians says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body, you were called to peace. That's who we're called to be as people of peace. Satan longs to bring chaos. He longs to bring chaos. And he doesn't, remember the four battlefields that we talked about last week that we see in Ephesians? Right, you got the mind, where he loves to do battle. You you got the home, right, your marriage, your kids, he loves to do battle, or your roommates. You got your workplace, and you got the church. And what we have to understand is Satan wants to bring chaos into all those. So when you have chaos going on in your mind, You have to go, whoa, 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 settle down, settle down, settle down. This is like out of control. There is something that's impacting me. Now, Satan can never take our salvation, but he wants to render us ineffective. And so a lot of times he does that by our worry, by our fear, right? It comes in. And some of you are professional worriers. I mean, you just just worry about everything, right? And if there's something to worry about, you're going to worry about it. It just like dominates you. And 90% of the things you worry about never come to fruition. But man, you Worry, and you have to recognize, hold on, Satan's trying to get a foothold here. Or in your marriage, right? You get no disagreement, and you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Why are we arguing about this? We're on the same team. We love each other, right? We want the best for each other. Hold on, what are we doing? Because Satan's trying to bring chaos. In your workplace, when little things become big things, or even in the church, when little things, you're like, come on, what's Satan doing? He's trying to get you divided. He's trying to get us off course. And we can't allow that to happen. The gospel, good news, means that we can have peace with God, right? I mean, holy God, sinful man, but all of a sudden now, because of the grace of God through Jesus Christ, we can have peace with God. We can have peace with others. I don't always have to win. I don't always have to be right. I can have peace. I can love them and with ourselves. I can have peace with myself. I am who God created me to be. I can live that out in my life. Hey, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Do not be anxious about anything. Are you anxious today? Are you afraid today? Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, everyday armor, right? Every situation, by prayer petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the peace that God longs for all of us to have. That's the peace that God wants us to live with every day. Put on those sandals of peace. Be ready. Walk in that peace. See, our call as Christ followers is to stand. Our call as Christ followers is to stand. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand your ground. You know what made the Romans so powerful? They had those Roman legions, you know, four to 6,000, and they would come up to a battle and they all worked together. It was amazing, right? They would have these bigger shields, and when the, 
the enemies firing arrows at them. They could all get down. It was like choreographed, right? They had the shields in front. They would put shields over their head, like one would have a shield for two, and then they would have another one that would cover them. And they would just, they worked together, and they were unstoppable. We are called to stand, but we don't stand alone. We stand together. <laughs> we stand together as the body of Christ. We don't have to engage the devil. We don't have to engage the devil. We simply need to stand. We don't go around going, hey, devil, devil, come on, come on, bring it, devil. You know, no, that's not our deal, right? We don't look for the devil behind every, you know, problem, behind every issue, behind every bush, behind every challenge. We just focus on the Lord. We stand in God's word. We stand in God's truth. We lock arms with other believers. We're in the Lord, and God's going to protect us. God's going to provide for us. Your private time with God prepares you for the battle. Your private time, right? Shooting baskets all those hours, right? That was preparing me for the game. It wasn't the game, but it was preparing. When you spend time, right, in God's word, when you're studying God's word, when you're in the men's group, when you're in a women's group, when you're in a community group, when you're studying, taking a daily step in the morning, you're preparing so that when the battle comes, you're ready. Your private time impacts your public time. Your private time impacts your spiritual life. So are we digging into God's word? Here's what it says in James. Submit yourselves then to God. So you you focus on the Lord. The Lord is where we put our attention. The Lord is who we give our devotion to. We focus on the Lord, submit yourselves to the Lord, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. He comes along, he goes, wait a minute, that person's in the word. Wait a minute, that person's in church. Wait a minute, that person's grounded. I'm going somewhere else. I'm getting away from them, right? I'm not, they're gonna do damage to me. I'm gonna move on. Why? Because we're standing in the truth. Hey, I love my wife. I'm praying for her. I'm praying for my kids. I I love them. I I love my family. I I walk into my workplace bringing peace, bringing hope. Satan's like, wait a minute, I'm getting out of here. I'm fleeing because they're on fire for the Lord. They're living for the Lord. They're living for the things of God. Hey, we stand together as God's church. You know, Ephesians was written to the church. It's the body of Christ. And Paul knew, hey, this is gonna be the greatest army the world's ever seen. There are any soldiers of God who've taken love and peace and hope into a world and will change the world. Lives will be transformed. And guys, when we serve together, when we pray together, when we grow together, wow, God impacts the entire world. I remember our first mission trip that we went to Moldova. In Eastern Europe, right, former communist countries, smallest, poorest country in the former Soviet Union. Now, I remember going there and and we went to this campground because they take all the kids at the orphanages and they send them out to these communist campgrounds during the summer, the kids who don't have anywhere to go, like kids who don't have grandparents or aunts or uncles that they can send to stay in the summer while they do remodeling on the, or updates or whatever on the, on the orphanage itself. They send them to this campground. And you go to this campground, and I remember walking up, and I was like, whoa. I mean, we went back in time. I mean, like 50 years. I mean, like these old, kind of broken down bunkhouses and 200 plus kids in this campground and just a couple of teachers. They feed them, you know, a piece of bread and borscht, some soup at lunch. And there would be bunkhouses with like 30 beds in them and they would sleep like two kids a bed, right? Single cot and two kids. And yet, I remember going there and we just stood outside before we ever walked in, we just prayed. And we just prayed, God, come. Father, go before us. God, prepare the way. And we walked into this campground and you just see the kids coming out and flocking and running 
And they would hold on to you and hug you. And you would sit down and you would open God's word. We would have Bible studies. And to watch these kids just, just seeing the, the joy of, of hearing the Lord for the first time for many of them. And, and watching them come alive. And, and you just go, whoa, wow. And you see that life change. And, and I, you could feel it, right? Because there was so much of, of the enemy whose presence was there. There was abuse. There was all kinds of things that were happening. But yet you saw the Spirit of God moving and wiping out the enemy, moving the enemy out and watching these kids starting to grow up in the Lord. And remember, after we leave that, we would just stand outside and pray and say, God bless, God move. And today, wow, praise be to God. But now, through Justice and Mercy International and having transitional living homes and working in orphanages now and having staff of 25 people in Moldova going back and sharing the gospel. And you're just seeing God raise up a new generation. And it's the spirit of God through us, church. And everybody can't go, but everybody can pray and everybody can serve and everybody can sponsor. And we lock arms together as God's people today. You know, about every Sunday, we have somebody being baptized out there. And you just think, it's the church watching their lives being changed and seeing them being in a community group or watching their kids being in kids ministry and having volunteers and student ministry and watching their lives come alive in Christ. And that's the joy of us being the body of Christ. And as we lock arms, as we pray for one another, as we encourage one another, we make a difference for the glory of God today. Have you ever gone back and and watched a game, like a sports game, that something on TV, and you already knew the outcome. The other night I was watching, and it came on with like the 2014 NBA championship, and I already knew who won. And so I'm watching this, and, and there were turnovers or fouls. I'm like, that doesn't matter, right? Because I know who's gonna win, right? And I'm sure there would be, oh man, I can't believe that happened. But here's the thing, we already know who wins. And so when we go through challenges, when we go through struggles, we, we already know who wins. This life is not all that there is. And for us, man, that ought to motivate us, encourage us, challenge us to live it all for the glory of God. Everything in us, to not get sidetracked in this world, to not get distracted, but everything in us because we know who wins and we're on the winning side. So church, strap on that belt of truth. Be in God's word, know him, right? Put on that breastplate of righteousness when you wake up and you live as a righteous person because of the grace of God. Hey, put on those sandals of peace and whatever situation you walk into, you bring hope and joy and peace and love because you, you, you are called and you are a masterpiece. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So let's go and live it out. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's going on in your life or in your world. But I know this, God is here. <laughs> and God loves you. Maybe today is a day of salvation. You just go, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. <laughs> I want to be clothed in the righteousness of God. Forgive my sins. I confess. Draw me to yourself, to your heart. I'm yours. And maybe today there's some unconfessed sin in your life. You've been hiding it. You've been thinking nobody knows, but listen, it's making you vulnerable. Oh. And maybe it's anger. Or alcohol. Or there's some abuse. And it's heartbreaking. 
Today, would you just say, the pattern's gonna stop. The pattern's gonna stop right here. Father, I need you. Come into my heart, my life. Don't let Satan get a foothold right here. God, I give it to you. Maybe today there's something going on in your marriage or with your kids or maybe something with your roommates and you just wanna bring it to the Lord. Say, God, bring healing. God, bring hope. God, push past the darkness and bring light. So, Father, here we are. And, God, I pray you would search our hearts right now. See if there's any impure way in us. And, Father, lead us in your way everlasting. Meet us in this moment, God, and change us forever. We're all fighting a battle. (laughs) Every person here, God, there's challenges that we face. But today we claim you are greater. You are greater. Thank you, God, for your presence and that you love us. In your name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. If you enjoy listening to our Rolling Hills podcast, please rate or review us on your favorite listening service. To learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We are thankful for you.